Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment, a show where I offer my picks for each and every day of the 2022 Wimbledon. Now, it's going to be a slightly different format to today's podcast, given the news that Rafael Nadal has withdrawn from the 2022 Wimbledon. Nadal, in a press conference earlier on Thursday, confirming reports that he had suffered an abdominal tear during the course of the event. If you watched Nadal's quarterfinal victory over Taylor Fritz, you could see how close Clearly, he was physically compromised. That serve coming in 10, 12 miles per hour slower in the third, fourth, fifth sets than it was at the start of the match. Even Fritz confirmed he could see Nadal was clearly suffering some sort of physical ailment throughout the course of the match. It wasn't just on serve. If you watch that quarterfinal match closely, Nadal began struggling with the overhead as well. Just anything that required a full torso extension, you could see how uncomfortable comfortable Nadal was. And ultimately, Nadal made the decision that he just physically could not continue to play on in this event. And of course, we talk big picture about this decision from Rafael Nadal on today's mini break podcast. Certainly Nadal, a guy who has played through so much physical pain throughout the course of his career. If he thought he had any shot of still competing for the title, there's no doubt he would continue to be playing in this event. But Nadal in his press conferences acknowledging that he just does not think he has has it in him to win the two more matches required to win this event as such. Why continue competing moving forward if it's just going to continue to strain the injury? Again, we'll break down that decision today. Not much to break down, but we'll discuss it, I suppose, more on today's mini break podcast feed. But 
given that decision from Nadal, we only have one singles match on Friday. Certainly, it's going to be an exciting one featuring top seed and three-time defending Wimbledon champ Novak Djokovic taking on just the fourth British man to reach the men's singles semifinals at Wimbledon in the open era in Cam Norrie. That is a match we are excited for here at Cracked Rackets. And on today's show, what I want to do in lieu of our typical Ace of the Day segment is incorporate something we like to call our Match of the Day segment. Very creative with our titling here at Cracked Rackets. We're more in the Robert Smigel camp of thought. Why hide what we're trying to do? Let's just tell you, it's our Match of the Day. And this is something we typically reserve for our Patreon subscribers. But in these Match of the Day segments, what I like to do is break down my favorite match happening in any given day on uh, on the tennis schedule from every potential angle and aspect. I want to dive into each of these players' backgrounds, talk about the success they have had, not more, not only more broadly, I should say, throughout the course of their career, but of course more recently as well, how previous successes, previous failures may indicate what we might see on court in today's match. I want to offer my thoughts on the tactics, what a Novak Djokovic win looks like, what a Cam Nori win looks like. Ultimately, offer you all a prediction for this match. And in the spirit of the Ace of the Day segment, I will look at our friends at DraftKings, see if there is any value on the board. But I want to break down this match from every angle. Of course, we only have one singles match on the day as such. All of us going to be able to lock in on that action. So again, what we have for all of you today, a match of the day segment. We're talking all things Novak Djokovic versus Cam Norrie. Of course, the reason we're able to do this, a little switch up here on today's Great Shot podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners. And we are immensely grateful to all of you that have continued to tune in day in, day out throughout not only this Wimbledon, but the course of the 2022 tennis season. Of course, as I alluded to earlier, if you are looking for thoughts on today's women's singles semifinals matches. Hop on over to our mini break podcast feed. Crack Rackets contributor David Gertler joined me to break down all of the action. Of course, we'll have recaps of every day remaining at the year's third Grand Slam. And we're also well aware tennis doesn't stop once a major concludes. Right away, we'll get into that North American hardcourt stretch. We'll start looking towards the year's fourth Grand Slam as the tennis calendar never sleeps. We'll have mini break podcasts for all of you listeners continuing over the course of the coming months. We'll have great shot podcasts for you as well, looking at the biggest storylines. Maybe we're going to run back, I'm telling you now, our Next Gen Tears podcast where we rank all those players born 1996 or later. Who do we think at this point is still capable of capturing a Grand Slam title at some point in their career? How do we sort through the many players looking for bites at the apple at the biggest stages in tennis? We'll get into those sorts of topics. We'll look at the Americans, look at the storylines to monitor throughout the North American summer. All of that coming up in the coming weeks. But of course, before we can get to that, we still have a little bit of action at Wibbledon to take care of. And again, one of the reasons we're able to cover it from so many different angles is because of the support we get from our friends at Turna here at this podcast. And everyone, every listener, to this tennis podcast can certainly identify a turn of grip when they see it on court. It's that iconic 
bluish, purplish grip. You see so many pros, so many college players, so many local players at your club using because it is the best grip in the business. Tackiest. It's going to last in these summer heat months. And, you know, again, you're going to get uh, just a better time out on court because you're going to feel comfortable knowing your racket's not going to go flying out of your hand. You're not going to look like an imbecile. You're going to be in control thanks to that turn of grip. But did you know they also offer award-winning strings? Did you know they offer so much more on the turn of arsenal? Uh, of course, you can learn about all of these products or just straight up join the turn of family today by emailing them at sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned we here at Cracked Racket sent you. They'll hook you up with discounted pricing, hook you up with free samples, treat you like fans. Again, that's sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turner family today. With all of that said, let's get into it. Match of the day for Friday, July 8th, our only Wimbledon men's single semifinal, Novak Djokovic taking on Cam Norrie. Let's start with three-time defending champion Novak Djokovic was certainly pushed in his matchup against Yannick Sinner. Djokovic ultimately overcoming a two-sets-to-love deficit for the sixth time in his career, third time in the past two seasons, and knocks off. Yannick Sinner earning that three-set victory. You look for Novak Djokovic, his pathway to the semifinals. Knocks off Sun Wukwan in a four-set first-round match. Djokovic struggled to find his rhythm early on in that match. It was credit to Kwan, who was able to match Djokovic physically and willing to play extended rallies. But let's keep in mind that first-round match against Kwan was Djokovic's first match on a grass court of the 2021 season. If you date back to last year's Wimbledon, he lost his first set of the tournament to Jack Draper before losing only one more set the rest of the way. So you don't hold that match against Novak Djokovic. Certainly, he looked exceptional in straight set victories over Tanasi Kokonakis, Miomir Kasmanovic when it looked like he was struggling against Tim Van Reithoven in his round of 16 match. Van Reithoven serving light out to earn that 6-4 second set. There were about 55 minutes left before the Wimbledon curfew set in. That match was going to have to get pushed to a second day. And then Novak Djokovic turned on the Jets. 6-1-6-2 in those final two sets. Looked every bit the part of a three-time defending Wimbledon champ that he is. Djokovic then proceeds to the Yannick Sinner match, where, again, he earns a 4-1 first set lead. And then credit to Sinner, who unleashed a degree of physicality and hard-hitting in the Tomas Burdich-esque model with, in my opinion, a little bit more fluidity, a little bit more creativity at the net. Sinner was just swinging freely, and Djokovic seemed unengaged in the match, just could not get himself to flip the script on Yannick Sinner, wasn't able to gain much traction, was struggling with his first serve percentage, was struggling to find the proper depth needed on his plus one ground strokes. And then he faced a two sets to love deficit. And then he did what he does best, which is turn up the jets, turn on the gas. And in that 6-3-6-2-6-2 sets, 3-4-5 and five victory, again, Djokovic looked every part of the three-time defending Wimbledon champion that he is. Djokovic was exceptional. Just, again, there was nothing Yannick Sinner could do to hurt him in those final three sets. And Djokovic, you know, dropped, what was it, four points behind his first serve 
in those final three sets was just a combination of elite serving with elite precision, elite defensive capabilities. He's the one guy who, you know, can slide in and out of corners, play the sort of physical tennis on this surface that's typically only seen on the other two. Case in point, the on the run, sliding, diving, backhand, passing shot cross court that has become the iconic image probably of this Wimbledon so far. I mean, yes, it was a five-set match. Let's look at the big picture coming into this one. A, Novak Djokovic, physicality has never been a question for him at any point of his, throughout the prime of his career. Because I know early on there was the cramping and yada, 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 yada. But obviously in the past 15 years, that's just no longer a thing for Novak Djokovic. Secondly, he's had two days off. Like he didn't, his match against Yannick Sinner was played on Tuesday. It's Friday. He's had two days off. Novak Djokovic will be just fine from a physical standpoint heading into this match. And, of course, you look for Novak Djokovic, and I do apologize because very oftentimes when I find myself analyzing a Novak Djokovic for all of you listeners, I feel a bit dumb. What can I tell you that you haven't heard from the mouths of people who have immense amounts of credibility in this industry, the Darren Cahills of the world, the Brad Gilberts of the world, the Mary Jo Fernandez's, Pam Shriver's, Martina Navratilova's, all of the voices that have been analyzed, Jim Courier's, analyzing the prime, Andy Roddick's of this Novak Djokovic throughout the course of his 15-year run. You've heard it all before, the physicality, the fluidity in the corners, the precision, the creativity, the fight, just again, the tenacity. Those two things are synonyms, and this gets me to my point. All of us know what to expect from Novak Djokovic when he walks out on the court, and that's why I wanted to break down the, the matches he, you know, again, what stood out in the matches he's played thus far, because everything has rounded into form. The serving down the final three sets against Yannick Sinner, the physicality he showed down the stretch of that match, the focus he showed in sets three and four against Van Rijthoven in the final three sets against Yannick Sinner. Novak Djokovic, the most astute analysis I can offer you from his Wimbledon run is that he still has that ability to turn it on, still has that ability to go into brick wall mode, that ability to where, you know, when Rafa lost to Djokovic in their epic 2012 Australian Open final, Go look back at that press conference where Rafa says, look, when this guy plays like this, there's no one in the world, no one in the history of tennis who can beat him because there's just a degree of physicality he can hit that no one else can match. That is obviously what makes Novak Djokovic special, what what separates him from everyone else in tennis history, why he is so firmly in the conversation as one of, if not the greatest player in men's tennis history. Of course, you look for Djokovic was a slow start to his year, obviously wasn't able to play in Australia, but you look for him in his last three events, finals in Rome, four-set quarterfinal loss to Rafa, where Rafa just was exceptional in that match and obviously Djokovic had his chances to extend that match to five sets and you know certainly had the big break lead in set number four but Rafa just hit that Rafa at Roland Garros level that's transcendent in tennis history again since the start of the Madrid Masters in May 2nd three tournaments uh uh, excuse me four tournaments that Djokovic has played he loses in the Madrid semifinals, three-set loss to Carlos Alcaraz. He then wins the Rome Masters, beats FAA, Rude, 
Tsitsipas all in straight sets. Makes quarterfinals of Roland Garros where he loses to four in Rafa, uh, in four to Rafa. Now into the semifinals of Wimbledon. He's 21 and five overall on the year. All the hold percentages, break percentages back into the top 15, top 10 sort of guy. Uh, club that Novak Djokovic has always been. And with this Wimbledon, he is now one of just three players, four players, excuse me, to rank top 15 in both hold and break percentage. Those four players, Djokovic, Nadal, Alcaraz, Medvedev. Makes sense. Eye test indicates it. You know, again, results indicate it. Yes, it was a slow start for Novak Djokovic in 2022, but he's back into his, I'm the best player, in tennis history sort of form. And again, I'm not saying there aren't others who have an argument to being the best player in all of tennis history. I'm simply saying Novak Djokovic is back on that plane again where he is at that level where he's capable of turning things on. And, you know, you look for Novak Djokovic, who turned 35 years old in May. He's 76 and 12 since the start of 2021. Just has quietly put together another 86% win percentage sort of run over the course of 18 months at ages 34 and 35 years old. I mean, come on now. It's just laughable. Again, 76 and 12 uh, since the start of the 2021 season. You look for him during that course of time against players ranked in the top 20. Novak Djokovic, 25 and 8 overall. So it's not as though he's been playing a cupcake schedule, right? He's been, he only plays the big events at this point, which is the Masters, the Slams, and then any event hosted in Serbia, which to his credit, he always feels obliged to put some sort of entertainment together for his home crowds. I mean, you look for Novak Djokovic hasn't lost a grass court match in what, five seasons, six seasons. You look for Novak Djokovic, 110 and 18 on grass courts. Yeah, the last time Novak Djokovic lost a grass court match, 2018 Queens Club final to Marin Cilic. It's been four years since Novak Djokovic has lost a match on a grass court. And of course, he's only played Wimbledon over the, you know since that Queens Club lost but wins the 2018 Wimbledon wins the 2019 Wimbledon wins the 2021 Wimbledon now again five consecutive victories to get here that's what 26 consecutive victories at Wimbledon I believe he's one of five guys in the open era to have a 25 plus match win streak at the slams and you look for Novak Djokovic again going for his fourth uh uh straight title here at Wimbledon That's rarefied air, not only at Wimbledon, but just players who have won four straight slams at an event overall. I mean, you look during this decade, obviously, Rafael Nadal, not only has he won four straight French Opens once, he's won four plus French Opens three separate times in his career. That's laughable. You know, you look for Roger Federer. He's won, I believe it was five consecutive Wimbledons, which he did from 03 to 07. He won five consecutive Australian Opens from 04 to 08. You know, there, there again, that those are two guys who have won four consecutive events at uh, four consecutive tournaments at a single event. Novak Djokovic has actually never won four consecutive tournaments at a single event. He's gotten to three in a row a couple of times in Australia. Obviously, he's won three in a row here at Wimbledon. But again, Federer's won four in a row. Nadal's won four in a row. Pete Sampras won four Wimbledons in a row, 1997 to 2000. Outside of that, 
That's your list. I mean, again, Lendl won three U.S. Opens, 85 to 87, but that's not four in a row. You know, McEnroe won four out of six from 1980 to 1984, but that's not four in a row. Borg, the other guy on that list. There it is. I was like, there has to be one more. Bjorn Borg won four straight Wimbledons, four straight French Opens as well. So Bjorn Borg, the only guy uh, with Federer to do it at two different events. But, you know, Rod Laver never won four consecutive tournaments at a single event in a row. You'd have to go pre-open era to the Roy Emerson days. And, you know, now we're really starting to get into it. But anytime the list, Borg, Sampras, Federer, Nadal, speaks to how difficult it is to get onto that list. And obviously, that's something I will be tweeting out, I promise, later on today. But for Novak Djokovic, again, 110 and 18 in his career on grass courts. He's competing in his 43rd Grand Slam semifinal. You know, that trails only Roger Federer, who's got 48. And obviously, Nadal, I think, has 38 now on that list. But, you know, Novak Djokovic, 43 Grand Slam semifinals in 68 Grand Slam main draws played. I mean, come on, 70%, north of 70% of the slams he's played, he's made the semifinal. Novak Djokovic hasn't lost a Grand Slam semifinal, by the way, since Roland Garros 2019. He's won seven consecutive Grand Slam semis, and he actually lost six of his first eight Grand Slam semifinals. So since losing six of those first eight, Novak Djokovic, 25, uh, excuse me, 29 and five in his last 34 Grand Slam semifinals. I don't know what else there is to say. Novak Djokovic has done it all. It's always fun to marvel at his stats. Haven't done that in a while. I apologize. I didn't mean to go that long on it, but how can you not be captivated by what this man has accomplished? Of course, on the other side of the net, it is one of the on-the-rise players on the ATP Tour, a guy who has firmly cemented himself now in the mix as a top 15, top 10 sort of player, just going to be alive in the later stages of every big event. And of course, I'm referring to number nine seed Cam Norrie, who became just the fourth British man, uh, obviously, in the open era, Murray Henman and a guy in, from the 70s, I'm forgetting right now, to reach the semifinals at his home slam of Wimbledon. You look for Cam Norrie, 26 uh, years old, turns 27 at the end of August. He's one of three guys this century to play college tennis and then make a men's single semifinals, you know, and so often when we point to college tennis, it's always John Isner, Kevin Anderson. Well, now Cam Norrie is always going to be in that discussion as well. You look for Cam Norrie since the start of the 2021 season, Norrie's 88 and 40 in tour level matches, 88 and 40. That's top 15 in terms of most tour level wins in the past 18 months. It's a testament to the consistency of Nori, who again, 88 and 40 overall, you look for him in terms of first round losses, only seven of them in his past 39 events, seven first round math losses in his past 39 events. That's a testament again to his success. Uh, that doesn't make sense though, because he has 40 losses. Oh, that includes ATP cup, which they wouldn't have included in that other list. Again, a testament to the consistency of Cam Nori. You look for him overall, again, in these matches, just quarterfinals in general. He's made 18 quarterfinals in his past 39 events, 10 different semifinals. He's obviously won four different ATP titles, including his first Masters 1000 at Indian Wells last fall. Nori just finds himself in the mix everywhere. And how does he do that? Because he's one of the most well-rounded players on tour. Now, does he do anything particularly elite? 
I would say it's the return of serve. You look for Cam Norrie, who's breaking serve 24.9% of the time this season. That's a top 20 number amongst top 50 players on the ATP Tour. But last season was at a career high 28.3%. That was a top 10 number on the ATP Tour. And just again, high efficiency sort of player. Cam Norrie's going to take away whatever it is you want to do most. You think you're going to win free points with your serve, not against Cam Norrie. He's going to use his length, going to use his size to just block that ball back, get the point back to neutral, if nothing else. Just take away easy plus one opportunities from you. Of course, again, there's no definitive weakness to attack on Cam Norrie. Yeah, he's got a condensed backhand backswing, but he's going to drive that ball deeper on you and down the center of the court than you expect, and he can generate a little bit more power pop now 18 months later than he could at the start of 2021 and look Nori's so creative in spreading the court with his forehand whether it be the short angle cross court whether it be the drive cross court to open up the down the line ball his ability to run around that backhand wing and play inside out inside out to open up the inside in lefty forehand attacking your backhand Again, Cam Nori comfortable moving forward as well. I, I like the way he plays the slice. It doesn't have the most action at it, but it's a very neutralizing ball. And, you know, he's a very comfortable volleyer, knows where to go, what to do with that first volley, can not only drive the first volley deep, can hit the short angle when touch is required. Comfortable hitting the overhead, which you're just always surprised at how many ATP high-level players struggle with that ball over the head. Again, for Cam Nori, all the numbers have been so impressive for him. I mentioned 88 and 40 for him since the start of 2021. You look for him against opponents ranked outside the top 50. Cam Nori, 47 and 9. He beats just about everyone that he's supposed to beat. And when you consider a couple of his non-top 50 losses are to players like Carlos Alcaraz or Tommy Paul, Sebastian Corda, players who are now firmly inside that top 50, you know, that record appreciates even more so. You look for him in terms of his record against top 50 opponents, nor is 41 and 31. Since the start of 2021, against the top 20, he's 12 and 17. Against the top 10 is where he struggled a bit. 3 and 14 since the start of the 2021 season. Now, he did get a big win over Tsitsipas in Acapulco earlier this year, but you look for Cam Nori. You know, again, has never beaten uh, Novak Djokovic, never beaten a Rafael Nadal in his career before. And certainly, obviously, that's the test he faces in front of him now in Novak Djokovic. And look, these two played at the end of last season. Djokovic, a dominant 6-2-6-1 victory at the ATP Tour Finals. But, you know, Nori's a completely different player now. I do think that's worth saying. A, you look for Cam Nori just being a top 10 player, being a top 15 guy as he has been for the past six months. You get more shots at the Djokovic's, at the Nadal's of the world. Again, since losing that match to Novak Djokovic at the Tour Finals, he's gotten the opportunities to play Kasparu twice, Zverev, FAA, Tsitsipas, Rafa. Uh, you know, he's just gotten more bites at the apple. And uh, certainly for Cam Nori, you know, he's he's gotten shots at Rafa and Djokovic at a major before, at least Rafa. Certainly he drew Rafa a couple of tournaments. You know, you look at his 2021 draws against top 10 players. 
He played Rafa at the 2021 Australian Open. He played Rafa at the 2021 French Open. He played Federer at the 2021 Wimbledon. You know, again, he's seen these guy now, guys now at the majors. He's had a couple of looks at it. He knows the physical, mental preparation it takes to face this sort of beast. He also has the home crowd behind him, and it's unequivocal that that home crowd helped Cam Norrie get over the finish line in his five-set victory over David Goffin. You look for Cam Norrie wins over Andujar in straight sets, Stevie Johnson, Tommy Paul in straight sets, and then five-set wins over Goffin and Munar, respectively. Now, obviously, I think all of those guys are physical players. I think Goffin, Paul, and honestly, Munar as well. Not the worst preparation for a Novak Djokovic. It, it, all guys who, th- you know, again, have top-tier athleticism, who are able to extend rallies on a grass court, play physical tennis on a surface where that is otherwise not the case. Nori has had to do that throughout the course of this 2022 Wimbledon. But obviously, when you face a Novak Djokovic, it's a completely different level. And as you look at this matchup again, with all due respect to Cam Nori, who's been 32-15 and 15 this year, he has been rock solid all year long. As good as he's been, in limited capacity, Djokovic's numbers are just better across the board. I mentioned it earlier. For Novak Djokovic, who's now 21-5 and overall on the season, his hold percentage back up to that 83-84% range. Cam Nori right now, 81% uh, coming out of this grass court season. You look at the break percentage, Cam Nori up to 25%. Again, a top 15 number amongst top 50 players on the ATP Tour, but we're talking about Novak Djokovic the best returner in ATP Tour history, who even in limited capacity this season is over 27% with his break percentage. It's not a it's not a shock to any of you listeners to hear all the statistical edges, even in this 2022 season, lean towards Novak Djokovic. And my biggest concern when I look at this match tactically is, again, what, does, what can Cam Nori do to hurt Novak Djokovic in this match. Of course, Novak Djokovic has always had success in his career against left-handed players and, you know, his backhand, perhaps the reason he's able to play Rafael Nadal as competitively as any human in ATP Tour history. You look for Novak Djokovic in his career against lefties, 134 and 42. Now, it's not even fair because he's just so good against everyone, right? So, It doesn't even count. Let's go with top 50 lefties in his career. Against top 50 lefties, Novak Djokovic, 86 and 37, 70% win percentage against top 20 lefties in his career. He's 42 and 31. But let's be clear, just about all but two of those losses, that's hilarious. So Novak Djokovic, 42 and 31 in his career against top 20 lefties. All but two of those losses have been to Rafael Nadal. The only other two coming to Fernando Verdasco, who he lost back-to-back in uh, Monte Carlo and Rome back in 2010. You know, other than Rafa, Djokovic beats top 20 lefties. He beats, you look for him again, in those top 50 losses. He's, what, got 37 of them. So uh, all but, what, 29. So eight, all but eight of the losses are to Rafael Nadal. I mean, it's just laughable how good Novak Djokovic is against everyone. That's, I don't know why I find that stat so funny, but I was, I was thinking I might find some sort of insight in looking at his record against lefties. Let the record show and Westhoff leave it in. I did not find any insight, but again, the leftiness, the having to play the on-the-stretch backhand. Did you not see the passing shot he hit against Yannick Sinner? That is what Novak Djokovic does best. And as well as 
Cam Nori hits his spot on the serve, in particular his slice serve out wide on the ad side, how much court uh, he's able to open up with that slice wide just to able to spread the court and play plus one into open space. That play is going to ha- be effective against anyone on this surface because of how difficult it is to scrap your way out of corners and hit on the run. But of course, Novak Djokovic is the player particularly suited to punish that ball. And, you know, again, while I think Nori will hit all of his spots, you know, he is able to hit the kick out wide on the ad. He is able to slice that ball into the body, uh, a kick out wide, excuse me, on the deuce, slice that body, serve in on the ad side as a lefty. I still... There's just, what is Cam Nori going to do to make life easy for himself in this match? That's where I think things get tough for him because Novak Djokovic, again, can take everything away. And if you saw how well Novak Djokovic served against Yannick Sinner, you know, not only does he have the physicality edge coming into this match, which, by the way, Cam Nori can hang. That's his physicality, one of his biggest strengths. And yet still, Djokovic has the edge there. He's got the biggest weapons on the court in his first serve, in his backhand you know, again, it's a well-rounded match. I just think it's one of those matches where Djokovic does everything a little bit better than Cam Nori. And I know that's not the most astute analysis, but yeah, that, you know, again, there's a reason Novak Djokovic is minus 1,600 favorite, according to our friends at DraftKings, and 90.3% favorite, according to the Tennis Abstract singles rating. You look in terms of the game spread, you can get, you know, six and a half games, which means Djokovic wins six four six worse than 6-4-6-4-6-4, is minus 215. Odds makers, the percentages, everything is expecting a Novak Djokovic blowout. Now, I think the only pathway to a Cam Nori victory is through two things. A... The crowd, they've just got to power him through very much the way they did throughout the course of his uh, quarterfinal match against David Goffin. But, you know, B, if we get the Djokovic of the first two sets where he's unengaged, where he's making unforced errors, where he's just, again, a little lethargic out on court. But even then, you know, Nori doesn't have the weapon Sinner did to make Djokovic pay for his tentativeness. And that's my concern for Cam Nori is what does he do at any point throughout the course of this match to make Novak Djokovic pay? I just, I don't know what the answer is to that question. So ultimately, with all due respect to Cam Nori, who again, has put himself on the short list, Isner, Anderson, Nori. Whenever you're talking about the college tennis successes, those are the first three names that are always going to come up now. Nori into his first men's single semifinal at a slam. Obviously, I think he's going to be in the mix for many more in the years to come. What a successful run for Cam Nori. Unfortunately, I think Novak Djokovic ends it short. I think Djokovic wins this match. I think he wins it in straight sets as well. And to be honest, that's where the value plays are on the board on the day. Novak Djokovic to cover a two and a half set spread, which means he just has to win in straights minus 160. Now, if you are concerned and you think Cam Nora is going to take a, uh, four, you know, might just sneak a set or the crowd powers him to one, Djokovic covering a minus one and a half set spread is minus 650, but Djokovic to win the match three sets to one, a plus 275 bet. So maybe you take Djokovic at minus 160, you throw two units on that to win about one and a half in return. And then you take Djokovic to win three sets to one at plus 275, just to hedge your bets, throw maybe a unit on that. And that way, if he wins that, you know, again, you cover. Uh, If Nori does steal a set, I just don't see a pathway for Nori to win two sets. So yeah, that would be my aces of the day is take Djokovic minus two and a half sets over Nori minus 160, throw two units on that. Then to hedge your bets, you take Djokovic to win three sets to one plus 275, throw a unit on that as well. That way, if Nori does sneak out a set, you have yourself covered. But if Djokovic still ends up, well, 
yeah, in that way, yeah, if Djokovic ends up, you know, dropping a set but still winning in three, that minus two and a half set bet may have lost, but you win the plus 275 if he wins in four. So you're covered either way. Good math, Alex. We have schemed the system. All that, of course, assumes I'm not entirely wrong and Cam Nori doesn't go on to win the match, which is, of course, entirely possible. But again, my prediction for all of you, give me Djokovic five, two, and four. Five, two, and four. I think he wins pretty comfortably. And again, five, two, and four, by the way, he would cover a seven and a half game spread, which is minus 110. But that's just a lot of games. And who knows if Nori does steal this. You know, again, I, I can see Djokovic winning in straights. I'm just not entirely sure what that's going to look like. So I'd probably go minus six and a half games, minus 215. But even then, like that's that, that requires a blowout set, which I do think there will be one, even if Nori manages to sneak one out. So minus Djokovic minus six and a half games, Djokovic minus two and a half sets, Djokovic to win, uh, cover the two and a half set spread, Djokovic as the hedge to win three sets to one. Those would be my aces of the day. But again, more broadly, my prediction, a Novak Djokovic straight set victory. He will advance and have a shot at a seventh seventh Wimbledon crown, which just laughable because, again, Novak Djokovic over the years. Yeah, seven. You know, again, seven Wimbledon. Seven. He's, he, it's just laughable. He'll have won what? However many Australian Opens, three, five, eight. What is it? Nine Australian Opens. He has six Wimbledons as well. The, I mean, uh, just laughable. Absolutely laughable that the U.S. Open is going to be like, is that the tournament where Novak Djokovic actually struggles the most? Does his brand of physicality run out by September? That's never been the narrative throughout the course of his career. I think you can joke around with it if he wins his seventh Wimbledon. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Djokovic fans. Go back and listen to the first 10 minutes of this podcast to hear me raving about him. But with that said again, I'll take Djokovic in straights. I do think this will be a fun match, though, and as always, a shout-out to super producer Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an energy job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible, of course. If you're looking for women's single semifinal coverage, head on over to the Mini Break podcast feed. Of course, we'll have recaps and predictions, breakdowns for you the rest of the way here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, a shout-out to our friends at Turna for their continued support of this podcast as well. Remember, email sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turner family today with all of that said for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We hope all of you enjoy tomorrow's men's singles semifinals, and as always, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. 